Joshua chapter 17, if you have your Bibles, sermon I've entitled, Taking Your Promised, What God Has Promised You. There was a man named David Moore, and he had set a goal. He wanted to start a Bible study. He was going to the univers- Stanford University, and he wanted to start a Bible study in his house and where he was, where he was living. And for over a year, he would try, he would do some things, but nothing happened. And he was getting frustrated. He was, uh, he said uh, that he just couldn't get things going. And then one day, he was rushing across campus to the post office. He had some packages for one of his professors that he had to get out before his morning class. And in Stanford University, they had a free speech platform. When we show the movie next week, you're going to see uh, that some universities have these kinds of things and allow people to pontificate all sorts of different things. And one man was up there and he was pointing out specific sins of people. He was actually telling, you're involved in this and you're involved in that. And he was being very specific with it. And this, be, this chided the man wrong. He said, that's not, a, that's not the right spirit. That's not street preaching. That's not telling. And uh, God told him to go over and question him because he had been claiming as long as, well, you have this sin and you have that sin. I have no sin. And... So after several minutes, God began to deal with him. And he went over and he spoke to this man. At that moment, several hundred students gathered around him. And they began to hear these two debate. When they finished, the president of a fraternity came over and approached him and said, I would like you to debate this man this evening if he'll come in our house, and afterwards you can do a Bible study. He said, I had often talked to one or two, uh, I would, I began to do this. He said, I don't remember the packages I was sending off to be mailed, or who all was there, but what I did when I learned to slow down and take what God had given to me, I was going to have victory. He started a Bible study. This went on. People got saved and God was gloriously magnified in that place in salvation of people's souls. There's something God has for all of us. This is going to be something for you to do. This is going to be something for you to have. This is going to be people for you to influence. This is going to be places for you to go. This is going to be uh, uh, things for you uh, to uh, become and to have in your life that God wants you to take these promises. The problem with some of the promises of God is they need our participation for us to be successful in having them. Was Thomas said, uh, one man said, Thomas I'll get to later, but one man said, he's one of the many that are attributed to this. I have no idea who actually said it. But he said, we're all faced with innumerable opportunities brilliantly disguised as impossible 
situations. So I want to talk to you about taking your promises out of Joshua chapter 17, beginning in verse 14. It says, the descendants of Joseph came to Joshua and asked, why have you given us only one portion of land as a homeland when the Lord has blessed us with so many people? Joshua replied, if there are so many of you and the hill country of the Ephraimians is not large enough for you, clear out land for yourselves in the forest where the Pezizites and the Rephraimites live. And the descendants of Joseph responded, it is true that the hill country is not large enough for us, but the Canaanites in the lowland have iron chariots and both in Bethlehem and surrounding settlements, those uh, are in the valley of Jezreel. They are strong, too strong for us. Then Joshua said to the tribe of Ephraim and Manasseh, and the descendants of Joseph, since you are so large and strong, you will be given more than one portion. The forest and the hill country shall be yours as well. Clear as much land as you wish and take possession of it from the farthest corners. And you will drive out the Canaanites from the valley, even though they are strong and have iron chariots. I want to talk to you firstly that God has more for us. There's always something God has more for you. The term destiny has been kind of played with and people, you know, reaching your destiny or having a destiny. And I believe God has it. But that thought of destiny, people think of destination. And they have the same root. It's a place or a purpose God has for you. But the, the thought it becomes wrong is that once we get to a certain level, is this all that God has for us? Is this it? Is this all I'll experience? Is this all the blessing I can have? Is this all the future that I have? And God would say, no, it's not. The Ephraimites and the uh, half the tribe of Manasseh, they've come, they look at what they say God has given, and they say it's not large enough. God has to have more for us. He has to have more. Ephesians 3 and verse 20, now all the glory to God who is able through his mighty power work, a mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. God has infinitely more work he wants to do with you through you to create you into being that person to have to do to go to influence to be God has the desires to do all of that in your life and he clearly wants to help us Philippians chapter 2 I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved all uh, these things or that I've already obtained or reached perfection. But I press on to the purpose that that uh, perfection for which Christ Jesus has possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I do focus on this one thing, forgetting the past... And looking forward to that which lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. This is the Apostle Paul. 
He's had ministry. He's had revelations. He's had uh, uh, done things, probably uh, influenced more people for the gospel than any of us or all of us put together. He's done great things. And yet he says, I'm not there yet. God has more for me. God has great, great things. If I'll press in, if I'm not going to say I've made it or I'm there or I've arrived, God has more. But as our text tells us, there's sometimes a struggle involved. They say, listen, you've given us one portion. It's not big enough. Can we have more? He said, yes. As a matter of fact, you can have more. They said, whoa, you know, there's enemies there. There's obstacles. There's there's, uh, chariots, iron chariots. One man said, if it was easy, everyone would do it, right? Life is not always easy. Neither are the promises of God. But God promises you can have them if you'll put the effort in. Matthew eleven twelve. from the time of John the Baptist began to preach until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. Now, Jesus says this because it's not the sense of the physical attack that you and I mostly, you know, would think about here. It's not in the sense of arguing or fighting in flesh and blood, but it is a spiritual assault. There are spiritual enemies that come against us. And in Ephesians 2.12, Paul does say, Dear brothers and uh, friends, you've always followed my instruction when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, which we looked at in our Sunday school. But the reality here is Paul says, you know what? Sometimes you've got to put effort into it. The promises of God are for there for us. And there is a rest. We don't have to do anything to be saved. But for all that God does have for us, you've got to put some effort into it sometimes. This is what Joshua is telling the people. They want more. And Joshua tells them you can have more. It won't always be easy, but you can have more. Children are not easy. They're not. They cry at night. They keep you up. I remember I was working with a guy who had just had twins. And this guy would come to work every day like he had not slept in a month. Because he probably had not slept in a month. He'd say, last night, oh, you know, one of them was up and I finally got them to sleep about 1 o'clock. And 2.30, the other one woke up and cried all night. Like, wow, that's tough. But the reward of children is worth it. Especially when you get those real reward called grandchildren. Right? Not everything in life is going to be easy. Luke 16, verse 10. If you are faithful with the little things, you will be faithful with the large one. If you are dishonest with the little things, you will not be honest with greater responsibility. God will test us in the little responsibilities. To see our character. To see who we are. What way we'll respond to him. 
First Timothy 3.10, Therefore, those who are appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. If they pass the test, then let them serve as deacons. There's times where we're tested. Life has its tests. We have to work out the details. The children of Ephraim, the children of Joseph here, these are, two, these are Joseph's two sons which got elevated to the status of part of the 12 tribes. Joseph's two sons here, they've joined together. Half the tribe of Manasseh has stayed on the other side of the Jordan with the, Gad, with the tribe of Gad and the tribe of Reuben. Half of them have come over. They're taking the promised land. They're going forward, and yet they say, listen, we want more. But involved in their we want more are some hidden complaints. One is... They're kind of, it's a backhanded way of blaming Joshua, even though this was God's doing. Well, the, the lot we got is just not big enough for us. And this is kind of a back way, backhanded way of trying to blame Joshua. This is your fault. This is the lot you've given us. We see in our text, Joshua, in his wisdom says, you know what? Yeah, you're right. You can have more. You go get it. Right? They're trying to make Joshua just give it to them. This is sometimes what we do with God. We come to God and we say, God, I want to be expanded, but I want you to do it. I want God, I want you to just take care of all the details. And, God, and Joshua says, you go clear out the land. You go make the miracle, the promise. You go take it. He challenged them, you are great. You can have it. You can do it. You have to understand, God didn't promise you something he doesn't believe you could get. He didn't promise successful marriages and then leave you to just struggle. He's going to help you. God wants to help your marriage, bless your marriage. Their history, think about the children of Israel. They had to struggle. They had to see the plagues come down. They had to go through the promised land. They had to uh, go through the Red Sea, rather. They had to march on to the promised land. They had difficulties of people who held them back. But their default thought was, if it's God's promise, it should be easy. And there are a lot of peoples, even today, who have that default. Well, if it's God, it'll be easy. Joshua 17, verse 12, just before the text we read. But the descendants of Manasseh were unable to occupy the towns because the Canaanites were determined to stay in that region. We'll use history, a past failure. Yeah, I've tried that before and it didn't work out. God says, well, go get it. It's yours to have. 
Just because it didn't work out in the past doesn't mean it's not going to work out now. Paul Stevens, he was talking about how he ended up on Cape Cod in the 40th anniversary. It was very fascinating. I hadn't heard part of this story before. That he was in Clifton Morency. I had known that in, and he had pastored there. And in the whole two years of the church, not one person got saved. Not one person was added to the church. Not one person uh, did the church change. He had just been there two years. He actually had told Pastor Warner, his pastor, he said, you know what, I, I think I'm done. I think I just need to come home for redirection. Pastor Warner said, well, what do you think about Cape Cod? And this had to do with the fact that his, Pastor Warner's mother and some other ladies were begging him for a church there and such. And, and so he first didn't like the idea. He's a California kid. He doesn't know much about the, you know, New England and New, you know, and Cape Cod had the reputation of being a, a summer resort place, you know, alive for three months, dead for nine. And probably in the 80s, that wasn't too far from the truth. But he went. And he said, you know what, I'm not going to, he he finally said, you know what, my pastor, he, t- he says the first service they had, you know, he wasn't even really planning on it. He was planning on just going up to Salem to the other church, but they pressed him. They said, no, you're going to have a, we've invited people. Saber Stockdale had it in her living room and, and, and 11 people came. People got saved and he began to realize that the promise of God, not everything's easy. He would go on to London, pastor there for a while, and he would be in the Covenant Gardens lift, they would call it, the elevator, which you take from the tube station up to the, it's one of the deepest train stops, I think in the world, but it's definitely on the, on the tube system in London. He's in this elevator and he looks around, and he says, there's more people in this elevator than in my church. But today that's a conference center. You can't always say, based on the moment, that's my lot in life. God has promises for you. If you'll stay in the fight, you'll see great things. There's always, too, the fear of failure. That's why many people won't step out have an article at home somewhere and it talks about how why young people are not getting married i heard a very interesting thing in rochester alone the average age of a bride has gone from 26 years old in 2016 to 29 years old in 2022 why is that well people are afraid of marriage why well they've watched half the marriages and end in divorce and when that happens, you know, one spouse badmouths the other, puts that in their kids. They begin to be afraid of marriage. There's people who, jobs or businesses, ministries, they begin to fear. Will this work out? How will this go? Seth Gordon tells a story that he was in Stanford Business School, and I don't know why I have all these Stanford University illustrations in this sermon. They just fit, so I went with them. 
He went to see a man named Jim Levy while he was in his first year. Jim Levy was then the president of AccuVision. AccuVision owned the Atari 2600. The Atari 2600 was the PlayStation of the day. It was the gaming console of the day. And this, they were rolling in profit. They were rolling in the dough. He said, I wanted to work for Levi for the summer. My bold proposal was, hey, you've got to cash in on this market now that all these smart programmers are going to called the personal computer or the PC. Why not get into computer games? You don't dominate the PC market like you dominate the home console market. Looking back, he says, 25 years later, he says it wasn't such a bold proposal. After all, the PC market was only an inch or two away from the market that was AccuVision already had. But Levi agreed with the proposal that he, and had almost removed it from his office. By, he was almost removed from the office by force. His boss told him, we are in the cartridge business. And those machines use floppy disks. Forget it. Well, Atari has disappeared. And the PC rules today. We could fail. We can miss it. We can sometimes think, well, we didn't get it the first time or the second time. And so we, we're out, and we allow those personal failures to become the definition of our lives. And in a backhanded way, that's what the Ephraimites and the Manassites are doing here. They're coming to Joshua and they're saying, we failed. This is your fault. Give us something easier. And Joshua's challenge is, no, you go take it. He encourages them. He uses their own words. He says, you are a strong people. You are, you do have the ability to take the promises of God. There's not one person in here who does not have that ability. God will make sure that you have the ability, the equipping. Yes, there'll be Canaanites, but you are strong enough to overcome. John 16, 33, Jesus said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You can too. See, God doesn't leave us after he's taken us this far. He's not going to look at you now and go, you know what? Let's just forget the whole thing. I know I made some promise. Forget it. I brought you out of Egypt, all the plagues, through the Red Sea, manna from heaven, quail came, died for you to eat, water from the rock, crossed the Jordan, had the sun stand still. But you know what? Forget it. Forget it. You know what? I didn't realize, I, God, didn't realize the Canaanites were that strong. He doesn't do that. He wants you to realize he's going to help you. If he's helped you to hear, he's going to help you to get to heaven. 2 Timothy 4.18 Yes, the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. 
All the glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Paul's dealing with Alexander the coppersmith who has been just a vexation to his life. And he says, you know what? But God's going to deliver me. He didn't bring me this far to leave me now. He's going to bring me safely. He told Timothy to fight the good fight and to lay hold of eternal life. That's First Timothy 6.12. You've got to want the promises. You've got to want what God has for you. You've got to contend for it. You have to believe that God will help you. Joshua tells him, you go do it. We know they did do it. The tribe that didn't do it was Dan. And a little theological conundrum is that Dan is not mentioned in the book of Revelation when he says, I've taken 12,000 out of every tribe to be evangelists. It's a little bit of a theological conundrum that if you look that up, you will not find any good answers because nobody knows why. But you will find the children of Joseph. You will find they are there, Manasseh and Ephraim. Says God's got it for you. Go do it. Isaiah says these words, 41, 10 through 13. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. You uh, see all your ang- uh, angry enemies lie there, confused and humiliated. Anyone who opposes you will die and come to nothing. You will look, uh, you will look in vain for those who have tried to conquer you. Those who attacked you will come to nothing, for I will hold you up by my right hand. I, the Lord your God, and I say to you, do not be afraid, for I am here to help you. Now he's speaking to the children of Israel about the land they are to take. But spiritually speaking, and our enemies again are not flesh and blood. But the things that hold us back, God says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to leave you. Struggling in your salvation, struggling with the promises of God. God says, that's it. I'm done. He wants to help us. In Boston, they put the highway underground, the expressway, they call it, through the city. It was called the Big Dig. It was an absolute, it was Ted, uh, uh, Tip, O'Neill's last hurrah was supposed to cost $5 billion and take five years. It cost $15 billion and took 11 years or something like that. Surprise, surprise, right? When they were going through it, someone had put up a billboard. And it said, Rome was not built in a day. And then in parentheses, it said, otherwise we would have hired their contractor. The promises of God are not going to be found in just one day. You're not, it's like, well, I don't have them today. Well, Joshua says, go get them. And he's not saying, you know what, just turn around, you're going to have it all. It's going to be right there. 
says you're going to have to go and fight for them to live victoriously. Pastor Mitchell would always say life has to be lived to the end. If you're going to be successful, we're going to need God to help us. Thomas Edison did say these words, missed opportunity is missed by most people because it dresses up in overalls and looks like work. God has great opportunities for you and I. All sorts of promises. Maybe you don't have them all right now. That's not Don't get don't get discouraged. Say God, I want to take them. Joshua says, you go get them. They do. Close with this thought. When the children of Israel, the ten tribes to the north, break off, it is Ephraim that the capital ends up in. It is Ephraim that becomes the principal tribe of the ten tribes to the north. Started at the lowest. This is Joshua's, uh, Joseph's son. They're a, they're a generation underneath. And they rise to that place. Because God says, I have promises for you. And if you don't have them all right now, that's okay. But just be willing to go back in and take them. Clear the land. Fight the enemies. And take what God has for your life. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not right with God. Salvation is free, but you have to take it. You have to be willing to say, Jesus, I need your help. I'm a sinner. I'm not right with you. I need to get my heart right with you this morning. And if that's you this morning, you're not right with God, you're not saved born again, it'd be our privilege to pray with you. That's you. I wonder if you'd slip up your hand and say, would you pray for me, Pastor? I need to get my heart right with Jesus. Anyone at all, very quickly. Maybe you're backslidden. You once knew God. You turned away. Now you need to come back very quickly. Slip up your hand. Pray for me. I need Jesus Christ. I need God to help me. Anyone at all, very quickly. Changing the call then to Christians. There are times where we're not seeing all that we want to see. We're not experiencing the blessing of God in the way we want to experience it. We're not experiencing the promises of God in the way we want to experience them. And like Joshua tells the Ephraimites and the Manassites, you go get it. Go clear some land. Go do spiritual warfare, which we know is prayer, fasting, these kind of things. Go take it for the kingdom of God. Take it for yourself. See what God has for you. He wants to help us. He is for us. He wants to move in our situations. But we have to rise up and say no to the enemy. You are not going to sit on the promise that God has for me. I'm going to take it. Because it is my promise. Let's all stand. These altars are open. We're going to sing a song and worship his name. Fix my eyes on you. Give him glory.
Let's give him praise. Let's worship him. Father, we love you. Lord, we give you glory. God, we honor you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.